Hey, if you have your Bible with you, uh, turn open to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Uh, my name is Pastor Roger. I am the lead pastor here at The Dwelling Place, and just excited to see what God has uh, been doing. Uh, thank you for those that came and helped yesterday and just did some cleaning up around the church. Uh, we didn't get to do the paint because uh, it was a little too sticky outside. Lovely weather we're having these days. So, but anyway, uh, but we've been going through the book of Mark uh, this summer, uh, just kind of uh, touching base, talking about the adventures, the life and adventures of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because that's a mouthful. And, uh, uh, but uh, I just shortened it to the adventures of Jesus. Uh, so, but we're, we're taking a look at the different adventures that he has, and today uh, is definitely no uh, stranger to this, but some different things that we've done was we've talked about a map and talked about a compass. Uh, you know, the map is kind of the place to start, and uh, the compass is about the kingdom of God. Uh, and if you focus on the kingdom of God, he'll get your bearings right. Um, last week, I had the bull whip out. I was cracking it around here. And uh, my, it talks about fulfilling the purpose that God has intended for you when you're in the right hands. Um, and so, and today I have another treasure for you. You, you guys are all excited in anticipation. I can feel it. It's like, like, oh, 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 there we go. I got duct tape. I got duct tape. Because let's be honest, if you go camping or going out on an adventure, you need some duct tape. Like, this is universal tool. It can do anything and everything. When I was in high school, uh, uh, my sophomore year, I played the sousaphone, which is the wraparound tuba right? Uh, basically because I have a big mouth. And, um, but I was, <laughs> don't agree with that, mom. Don't agree with that. Uh, but, uh, but we just, we, we had duct tape and you know, those tearaway counters, I think this is why I like them so much is because we had a tearaway calendar for the tuba section, the, the two of us. Okay. It wasn't a huge section. It's Delta, but the two of us, and we would do a duct tape calendar tearaway like every, every day at school. It was just fun. Uh, just different uses of duct tape and its arch, en uh, arch enemy, which is water. Uh, duct tape and water do not mix very well at all uh, if it's applied on water. But anyway, um, but duct tape is a great universal tool and I have a reason why that is part of the message. Because it's a very sticky substance, right? It's very sticky. And the nice part... I just love the rip of it. That's so cool. Anyway. All right. I'm such a guy. It's a very sticky substance, right? You can apply it on anything, and it'll, be, it'll do well. But um, the problem, or definitely don't put it on your arm or your hair, right, because that will hurt. Uh, but what happens if it gets stuck to itself? I mean, you can try to pull it apart, but it... it it's not working, and it ripped it apart. It doesn't work well, right? It's no longer as strong as it once was. I can just now I can do it real easily because it loses its stickiness. The problem is when we're on adventures, if we get stuck on something or stuck on the wrong things or stuck on ourselves, we become no good anymore. And so we're going to talk about a passage of scripture today about. People trying to get stuck in something, and Jesus wouldn't allow it. So in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 2, we enter the story. 
of the transfiguration, which is a really fancy word for God being glorified, okay? And let me set the stage, though, for you, because in Mark chapter 8, the Pharisees, uh, they, they have some discussion, there's some healing going on and stuff like that, and, and then all of a sudden, Jesus kind of pulls the disciples to himself, and he, he predicts his death. He's like, hey, I'm gonna, there's going to be a time when I'm not going to be with you anymore, and I'm going to have to, I'm going to die. And uh, Peter pulls him aside, being this strong-willed Peter that he is, and, and starts rebuking Jesus. First of all, you got to be brave to do that. Or at least you felt like you were a close friend to be able to rebuke Jesus. But, and then that's when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're trying to distract me from the purpose. Now, he wasn't mad. Like he was, and and what Jesus tells him is like, look, you're concerned about human things, not God things. You've lost the bearings. You're not focused on the kingdom of God anymore. And, And you're in the wrong place. You're, 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 you got to think bigger, Peter. you got to think bigger. Then we come, and then it says, verse two, in verse 2, it says, After six days, so now it's been a week long, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the trio, the three amigos, with him, and led them high up a, mount, or up a high mountain, where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Man, that is, that's some serious white. Like, the, the, my uh, sister, when she was like in third grade, chipped her tooth playing a gym class. She like fell and chipped her tooth. And they couldn't find a shade of white close enough to match her teeth at the dentist's office. Because it was just so white, right? Like, that's about the whitest thing I've ever thought of before. But anyway... Verse 4, and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. That's pretty cool, right? Like, only three other people got to see this. So Peter's like, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Like, this is awesome. Let's put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he didn't know what to say because they were frightened. Not so much excitement, but frightened. They didn't know what to do when they're in the presence of God. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. It sent a voice, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Verse 8. Suddenly, when they, took, when they looked around, they no, longer, or they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Poof. Gone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Verse 10, they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we ask that you would prepare our hearts for your word today. God, I ask that I would hide behind the cross. Jesus, you'd be glorified. Holy Spirit, anoint my tongue to speak your words, not mine. God, I pray that you would open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts. We would receive your word. It would take root and change our lives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If I was to title my sermon, I would title it, Don't Get Stuck. 
Don't get stuck. I'm just going to put this on for visual aid. Don't get stuck. First thing I see here is, and, and, the, and so I got two warnings and an encouragement for you today. Okay, warning number one would be, don't make an idol. And you're like, okay, Pastor Roger, check. I won't build any graven images. I got the first commandment down pat. What I mean, though, is like, don't make an idol in your heart. Okay, notice what, what Peter wanted to do here. He had good intentions. He wanted to build shelters, right? People like when they see the miraculous, they want to build shrines. And all of a sudden, they want to worship something that was happening rather than the person that, was, that it was meant to do. Peter wanted to worship the place and the people, not witness the presence and power. He wanted to, hey, we got one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you even. We can worship you here forever. And let's be honest, you walk in Jerusalem today and you can see the, all the shrines that are built. This is, where, this is where Jesus had the Last Supper. This is where Jesus fell on the road. This is where Jesus blew a snot bubble. No, I don't know. I think they don't have that one. But they want to build a shrine for everything and anything. Because, oh, that, this is a holy place. True, there is something special about Jerusalem. About Israel. But, if we get caught up with what the miracle that we were supposed to witness and experience and start worshiping it rather than the one who provided the miracle, we get stuck. We make an idol. Remember the bronze serpent in Moses' day? A bunch of people got sick because of Israel just being stupid and sinning like all humans. Uh, and so they said, hey, Make a bronze servant, put it on a cross, raise it up in the air. If anyone looks upon it, they'll be healed. Right? Sounds great. That's where the modern medicine gets their idea of a serpent around a cross. And so as they hung it up, and they did it, miracle happened. Praise God. Yay, they saved us. Thank you, Jesus. Or thank you, God. Abba Father. But then 700 years later, what happens? In 2 Kings 18, it says this with King Hezekiah. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the astropoles, all idols. He broke it into pieces, the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. And it was called Nahashistan, which means the great bronze or great snake. What, what kind of irks me a little bit is it says for up to this time they had been burning incense to it. Now, I don't know when it started, but King David would have been alive if it had been started before this. And he didn't tear it down. Or maybe they had built a monument to, hey, remember when, because they were supposed to do that, right? We've talked about building monuments. Pastor John talked about that. You're supposed to see a monument and tell the stories of what happened there. Hey, remember the time when we saw upon this because God is healing. That's, that's great. A memorial, 
That's why we have Memorial Days. July 4th is an example of that, right? We remember the sacrifice, our independence of our country. But more than that is about God's kingdom. And through that, what can happen is that the memorial, then all all of a sudden, becomes misguided worship. What was meant to be a remembrance becomes something we worship instead. And so we have to be careful that when we experience God, that all of a sudden we don't set up a worshiping time for that. Oh, I can only meet with God when I face this direction, 45 degrees, and point like this. This is the only way I can meet Jesus because this is where I met him last time. That's an idol. Oh, I can only meet Jesus if I have a cup of coffee. That's an idol. Because an idol is anything that you try to put with or connection to worship God. When God said, don't make a graven image, it was like, look, you can't even come close to what I am. Don't even try. Don't even connect anything with me. Just worship me. Just worship me. Don't connect anything to me because I'm above everything. I'm above it all. Don't try to do this or that. We might not bow down in front of something, but we do hold on to things that are not of God. And we have to be careful. God, this was an amazing time for Peter, right? A mountaintop experience that we say, oh, I can only get close to God while I'm at camp. Or I can only get too close to God if I'm underneath this person's teaching. I can only worship if it's this Hillsong CD. Be careful that we don't fall into ruts that are just graves with the ends dug out. Don't make an idol. An idol can be anything we put in connection with God that worships him. God is so much bigger than what we can conceive. And allow yourself to be free to worship him. So don't get stuck on that. Second thing, don't dissect words. Now listen, you know me. I love to do etymology. I love to figure out what the meaning is in the Hebrew or Greek. But did you notice what verse 10 said there? It says that they kept the matter to themselves discussing what rising from the dead meant. You just had a mountaintop experience, Peter, James, and John, and the only thing you want to talk about is what Jesus said after that? They got hung up on the words. And let's be honest, sometimes we get so caught up in digging or trying to figure it out, like, and we do this not just in Bible time, or Bible time, devotion time, or anything like that. We do this with people, too, let's be honest. To dissect things. Because, well, they said this about me, or they said that. I wonder what they mean. Right? And we get caught up, and let's be honest, most relationship fights are over, are over the communication issues than anything else. Right? Just poor communication. Something happens. Uh, I was talking with my wife the other day, and she, she texted me. She's like, I'm concerned about the, the water in the bathroom. 
which we have this one like one faucet that doesn't work quite, quite right, and that's what I thought she was talking about. I assume something. That's bad in a marriage, right, when you start assuming something. She was talking about something completely different, so I didn't respond to her text. I got home. She, like, she came out of work to show me the water issue that she, that she was concerned about. I'm very concerned about this. I was tired. I came home. I wanted to relax. I didn't check it out right away. Poor communication. I wasn't receiving what she was talking about. So then at 10 o'clock at night when we had a fight over the water issue, it was really not about a water issue. It was about poor communication because I wasn't receiving properly. And that's just life. It's poor communication. We dissect words and what they mean and how this. Eh. Don't get caught up on words. You can get stuck in phraseology and participles and punctuation that you miss the whole point of the statement. A week ago, he said, I'm going to have to die. And then the very next week, he says, hey, I'm going to rise up from the dead. So don't tell anyone until I do. And they got caught up with rising from the dead. They missed the whole point. Peter, you were so ready to rebuke me for saying I was going to die. I just told you I'm coming back. And they had no clue what it was. They missed the point. Be careful that we don't, that we don't get stuck on the wrong things. My grandfather used to say that we always play catch up with God. The Holy Spirit's moving out in front of us or doing something, and we're just trying to catch up with him. Just trying to catch up. So every time I get the Heinz bottle out, I'm like, God, let me pay attention to you. See, Jesus fought with the Pharisees over the same issue, getting caught up on the words. In Mark 7, he says this, So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? Red flags. Instead of eating their food with defiled hands. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. That was Isaiah there, and, and he talks about how it, later on in, in Mark 7, he talks about like, you say honor your father and mother, but if you said that you, oh, well, I promised to God first, so mom and dad, I can't do that thing I promised you because I promised it to God. And then all of a sudden you walk out and he's like, you'd rather obey the human tradition than the one from God. Don't get caught up in dissecting words so much that we miss the whole point of what God is trying to get to. The purpose of being a Christian is to go and make disciples, not go and have Bible studies. We can get so caught up in, oh, I want to learn this, I want to go here, I want to do this, that we ignore the person that needs help beside us. It's about making disciples. If, if all your friends are Christian, you may need to recheck things. Because you're so stuck on trying to get more for yourself that you don't focus on what God really wants you to do is to go out. So be careful. Because God called us to an adventure. The adventures of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is not about him. It's about our adventure with him. 
the adventure that we did to do together. If all I was up here doing about self-help talks, I just call us TED Talk. That's not what we are. We're a church. We're a body of believers united with a mission and a purpose to be on adventure with Jesus and the Holy Spirit because we're supposed to be with him. And so I, t- I told you I'd had two warnings and an encouragement. Don't make an idol. Don't dissect words. Don't get stuck on those things. But keep going. I love verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain. It's a small phrase. Huge impact. Jesus led them down the mountain again. He purposely took them up to have an experience with him and got to see him in his glory. Oh, God, that I would be able to do that, to see you in your glory. But I can't stay there. I have to come back down the mountain. I have to go live my life. And Jesus led them right back down. Small phrase, huge impact. I don't know if any of you remember, but back in March, about the Suez Canal. What happens when you don't keep going is you get blocked. There's a picture of it to show you. But there was this huge freighter that something happened, and all of a sudden the winds, 35-mile-hour winds blew and knocked it off course. And the Suez Canal is the trade route from um, Asia to Europe. They were losing $10 million a day because this was stuck for weeks to try to move it. When you get stuck, you don't even... You, as humans, when we get stuck, we only focus on the problems that we see. Oh, I got to clean this dirt out of my life. I got I to gotta move this around. Then I'll, then I'll be free to go. Or, uh, man, if, if those winds didn't really push me, I'd be fine. It's someone else's fault. I'm screwed up because of somebody else. And God's like, look, if you could just get unstuck, I got something so much better for you. All the other people that are affected by because you're not willing to move, because you're not willing to keep on going, you don't even know the impact of your life has on other people when you decide to get stuck and not fulfill God's purpose in your life. Keep going. We were meant to walk with God. We were meant to walk with him, to go on an adventure. It was, for Adam, it was in the evening. For Abraham, it was to follow. For Moses, it was leading out of Egypt. For Joshua, it was marching into the promised land. For David, it was sojourning before the temple. Nehemiah to return to Israel or to Jerusalem. Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jesus calling the disciples. Peter and John walking to the temple. Philip on a desert road. Paul being led by chains. And you and I staying in step with the Spirit today. We are meant to walk with God. Not to be stuck. Not to get caught in our own way or, uh, or things that we desire to worship. But to walk with the Spirit. So let me challenge you today. You think, Pastor Roger, how, what, what, so what do I do? How, how do I not get stuck? First, 
the Bible talks about us being a temple. And so I would challenge you with that. Peter wanted to set up shelters because he saw people. And God goes, I got something so much more in store. I want you to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't need you to build something for people to come to. I need you to be the Holy, to be God with others. Not that you are God, but to bring God to others. Be the filling of the Holy Spirit and take it to people. Don't be an attraction. React to things. I'm going to ask my son to come help me. I am putting him on the spot. See, the things that we might get stuck on. It's great, isn't it? The things that we get stuck on are usually good things. This duct tape has a purpose. It has a plan. It could be used for things. I'm putting it on my hair, too. Here, give me your wrist. We can get caught up. Don't try to break it. Just stay. We're supposed to partner with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to go on an adventure with him. God never asked you to come to church. He said, be the church. Be the temple of the Holy Spirit, living sacrifices. And so, stop peeling at it. I love you. Yeah, thinking cap, the Holy Spirit. Okay, stop. As you partner with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, the Holy Spirit may want to go a different direction than what you want to. <laughs> yeah, and it hurts. It should hurt when you don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, it's like, Ugh, God, I'm convicted. Yes, because you're supposed to be. Because as you are united with the Holy Spirit, you're supposed to take him with you. So then, and guess what? Holy Spirit's not going to push me over. You could try. <laughs> but, not yet at least. <laughs> I, still got, I still got some girth to me. But this idea of being the temple, don't build shelters. We are the, this is the dwelling place. I have music going on 24-7 because I want the presence of God to fill this place. But this is just four walls, brick and mortar. It will perish. You know what won't perish? Us. With eternal life, we won't perish and we will have something great. But if I'm supposed to go and make disciples, the Holy Spirit would lead me to the right people I need to talk to. I may have a job to do, and then the Holy Spirit says, hey, now talk about my love. Now talk about my power. If I'm paying attention with the Holy Spirit, because he's there. He's right there with you. As much as I want to maybe get away from him, he's going to stay right with me. Because the Holy Spirit is connected with us. But if I don't do the right things, if I do Bible study just for myself, I say, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me. Follow. I want to know more about you. And the Holy Spirit's trying to lead me somewhere, and I'm like, no, I'm stuck here. I just want to learn. No, 
I, I want to learn more. I need more. I can't do, I can't do anything without you. I need, to, I need to know more. I need to witness better more. I need to, I need to understand better. I can't teach anybody because I haven't learned enough. You think Peter and John learned more? They were astonished that they were unlearned and yet spoke with power and conviction. It has nothing to do with studying or being smart enough or being good enough. It has everything to be obedient with God. Be the temple. Be the church. Connect with the Holy Spirit. This is the application of today. Don't get stuck. But be the church. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you. I thank you, God, for what you are doing. God, you are calling us on an adventure. One more impactful than we could ever imagine. God, we don't even know the impact of the things that are happening around us. And God, Lord, I pray that we would not get stuck. God, Lord, I pray for those today that feel like they are. God, that you would... Come underneath them, lift them, change what's happening around them, clean out the dirt if they're stuck on it, and God, start moving them forward. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would guide others in this church to help those that feel stuck. God, Lord, I pray that we would be so united and staying in step with you that we would feel like an adventure. God, I, I can't wait to wake up in the morning so I know exactly what you have for me. Holy Spirit, let me be so in tune with you that every person I meet, every coffee I drink, God, it would be for you and for your purpose. God, Lord, every appointment that's on my schedule for this week, it is designed by you. And so, God, Lord, I pray that as I walk into homes, I bring the presence of God with me. God, we are your temples. You, we do not need to build a shelter. We are the shelter of you. And so, God, Lord, I pray that we would become alive. The church would be alive today for your power and your presence. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.